1: Hello and welcome to an all-new UFC AfterBuzz TV. My name is Daria Bernardo, and I'm joined with my boys tonight, like always, Mr. George Hermosa and Mr. Jay Tan.
2: Bonjour, lady. Bonjour. What's up? I miss my mask.
1: <laughs> really?
3: That wasn't your mask to begin with, by the way. Number one, number two, Halloween is now.
1: Are you not what, supposed to talk about ago? wearing the masks?
2: No, that's Fight Club. You're thinking about Fight Club. You're not supposed not, to talk about Fight yeah. Club. You oh, can talk about wearing the masks. Yeah. Silly me. You're not supposed to be seen taking them off. Okay. Which man? My improbability is
1: amazing. Oh. That was really good. It
2: yeah. was sly. Not just a hat rack, my friend. <laughs> Because anyway. my head's for hats, but I, also, I, I did okay. get it, George. You you I was right you, there. You didn't with laugh, you. so I figured yeah. you, you just didn't get it because my stuff is hilarious. That. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm.
1: All, of, all of them. The studio laugh. audience I'll sign
2: on that. The city <laughs> audience thought it was
1: funny, too. Uh, okay, guys. So, tonight we're going to be talking about back-to-back <laughs> fights over that happened over the weekend. Uh, Friday night, we had Sydney, Australia, Rockhold versus Bisping. That's UFC Fight Night 55. And then Saturday night, we had UFC Fight Night 56 uh, in Brazil. That was a last-minute <laughs> change-up, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, it was supposed to be Jimmy Manoa versus Shogun Rua. And it uh, Jimmy Manoa fell out, so they replaced him with OSP. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, not to take away though because it was super exciting but we will get to that later yeah last of the double shots
3: for the year i'm just i mean maybe you guys heard it just you know in my uh, my voice there (laughs) i'm done with these double shots for the weekend you know 10 hours of of mma
1: it's a lot to watch and we have to condense it into 60 minutes total which we will do for you guys right now because that's what we do for you we have that's right uh uh Uh, 57 minutes and...
3: Okay, okay. We gotta go now.
1: 30 seconds left.
3: (laughs) I had to wait for that. 29, 28, 27. Okay, Okay. so what happened?
1: Oh, oh my god, hold on. Uh, Okay, so let's start from the bottom of the Australia card. Um, Weird hours, because obviously they are way different time zone than us. Mm -hmm. Um, As Jay mentioned, they're the first of the time zones. Um, But let's start at the bottom of the the main event. We had Soap the Hulk Pileli. Did you see he walked out with two Hulk hands?
3: You guys were talking about that. I missed it. I I missed the walkout. So
1: he, like, you know, the Hulk, he wears the green shirt with all the, you know, things on it. But he also walked out. You know those kids? Do have Hulk hands? You know how the kids have the Hulk hands?
3: I didn't the realize green, the green Hulk. I know the one you're your talking brain. about. My it, man Mike he, Easton used to rock those two from uh, DC. Uh, really? Featherweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, he, he comes he out with Must those have two. copied him or something. <laughs> but um, you know, the kids have it when you punch and it makes that noise. Right, right. Anyway, he had one on each hand, which I thought was hilarious. And while well, he was walking out,
2: well, he's the Hulk, so he's the Hulk, he so
1: he was repping it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of his walkout, did you hear what song he came out to?
1: No. What song did he? Well, come I mean, I'm mean,
2: like, because when you think about it, a lot of times, a lot of these fighters come out to these big. You know, hard rock, macho kind of, you know, songs, songs. You know, the, yeah. the, the tough guy themes. Yeah, the tough guys. And then all of a sudden, you, 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 Walt Harris comes out to something. I forgot what it was. And then so a because comes uh Josh, you never heard of Josh Turner? You're a man. Can I hear it? You never heard of?
1: No, I I no refresh my memory. About.
2: I'm an old school guy, man. You know my country. Oh, Re- trust me. Refresh the, our memory. They'll the, the. the door and turn the lights down low.
1: I love it. Put
2: some uh-huh. music on. that's soft and slow. Baby, you ain't never going to go. I hope you understand. Okay, we're down to 54, no, 56, 53 So minutes. I'm sitting there watching at home, uh, and like, man, this is, like, what kind of a walk-out music is this? And then they show Walt Harris, and he's singing right along to the song, too.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I'm not even joking. Okay.
2: Go back to it. When Funny. they show Walt Harris during his music, during the entrance, you see uh, him singing along, mouthing along to the words. Hey,
1: there's, there's no harm in that. Um... I was rocking it to uh, any. Co- I always rock it. Sorry, <laughs> just distracted me. I always rock it to the country songs. I think that's really cool to work, walk out to country songs. Yeah, and I think that's cool. I knew I mean, what you meant
2: no, but it's like that's more of a, like a hey, let me set the mute, the mood kind of. Oh, uh, you think song. it's sexy time yeah. music? You'll find out later tonight. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's more like so. It's kind of like wow, I never would have thought of this as a pumped up to get in a fight. Walk out kind well, of song. Wasn't
3: it, wasn't it Akayama who came out to, like, not Akayama because he has his own, his his regular theme, um, but somebody came out to We Are the World. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Akayama has his uh, theme, a uh, piece of classical music that right. is, is Escaping me. See, now, I can but... see it.
1: Like, you're driving in your car, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every genre of music gives you different vibes. Whereas, like, uh, you know, you got the heavy metal gets you all angry and mad. And then, you know, you have the, the pop and hip hop that gets you all excited and happy. It all depends what kind of mood you want to be in when you walk out there. Country music for me reminds me of home, and it gives me like a sense of like security. So like me walking out to a country song would be like normal. Like I would be like, okay, I'm feeling good. It makes me feel. Calm. I don't know. You know,
3: like not i um, yeah. I'm not buying that. Although I do know, I I know guys that come out to country, and you know, to each their own. But
2: you know, you got to go old school, a la Andrew the Giant. Don't come out to any song. That'll yeah. freak out your opponent. Yeah, they didn't really use, uh,
3: oh, that's use creepy. theme
2: walkout music when
3: uh, in the territories that Andre works. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, creepy. that wasn't really the strongest point of the Australia card, <laughs>
1: anyway. I gotta
3: say. Uh, but I thought, yeah, Josh uh, Turner, good song. You were talking about Soa and uh, and Walt, uh, the big ticket, Harris. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Soa won by TKO. You know, it's worth noting, Harris actually. Harris won by TKO. Oh, excuse me. No, I had Soa winning. What are we doing? <laughs> We've got we, we only watched the show, guys. <laughs> but anyway, look, um oh, God. worth mentioning to everybody of this uh oh, this God. This was the first show in a long time where all the entire fight card went to uh, uh, went to a finish. No decisions, lots of action across the board, that's lots a- of great finishes, and it's really worth it for you guys to uh, to check out on Fight Pass.
1: Yeah, I mean that's eleven finishes on one card. That's mm-hmm. insane. It was uh, it was all over my social media. It was blowing it up. It was uh, giving me some spoiler alerts, of course. But
3: and I want to double check here. Yeah, I'm looking at the rounds, guys. On top of that, you know, you're not getting just simply one round. Uh, Uh, One round finishes. Most of them, I think, actually uh, ended in round two. Other than uh, yeah, there was only one fight that ended in round three.
2: Everything else was one or two.
3: Yeah, so you know you get your bang for your buck, and you get bang for your buck. So um, this was really one of the more fun matches, uh, more fun cards to watch. (laughs) Uh, headlined, of course, by that great grudge match, Luke Rockhold versus uh, Mike Bisping.
1: So entertaining! But before we get to that, yeah. I am I am wrong. J Tan, you are of course right. Saul v defeated uh, Harris via TKO in round two.
3: Yeah, I didn't remember Harris Which, giving that, giving. If him you post-fight. look at my notes,
1: I have it written right. I just said it wrong. So my apologies. There fans. you go. Fair Um, enough. No, that was a super good fight. Um, Saul Mm -hmm. Plaley dominating the ground, of course. uh, Definitely trying harder for the takedowns. Finally gets it and finishes Harris with some punches on the ground there. Yeah. Um, The next fight is one of my favorites. Uh, Did you guys enjoy this one?
2: I thought this was my favorite fight of the entire main card. Oh. Oh.
1: Well, I didn't didn't see
2: the prelims, so I can't really say...
1: I thought you were going to say that the entire weekend. The prelims paid us off us the entire
2: well. fight. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to watch the prelims later today. But out of the main card, I thought this was my favorite fight.
1: Okay. Well, it was Robert Whitaker versus Clint Headbussa Hester. Headbussa Hester. I, li- I like Headbussa Clint Hester. 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 I like them. He
2: was on, uh, I think, was he on Team Sonnen in the Jones versus Sonnen uh, uh, season of uh, Ultimate Clint Fighter? Hester? Yeah, I
3: think you're right. I have a note about him being a veteran uh, of thirteen and seventeen. I'm not sure if he made
2: it on the. I know he was. John, he was John Jones's. Okay, he was John Jones's uh, yeah. first number one pick. Okay, um, and that guy looked looked somebody somebody a force to be reckoned with in that season. Really, so I was mm-hmm. like, man, I know that this guy's. He might he he lost early, so he wasn't able to. Advance. You know, Advance, but I knew that he was still going to get picked up. This guy showed a lot of promise on the show, and I was like, you know, I hope this guy has a good career. He's, he's been having a good career so far. Yeah. I mean, right. even though in a loss, I mean, he still showed a lot of promise, and again, a very, very entertaining fight.
1: It was a super entertaining fight. The one thing that stuck out to me, though, I have to say, is Robert Whitaker's boxing. Um I think whoever was commentating at the moment mentioned it. His footwork was that of a boxer. It wasn't Mm -hmm. really that of an MMA fighter. Yeah. Um, It was so smooth, just the way he glided around the cage and kind of stayed just out of Clint Hester's reach, Mm -hmm. but still uh, maintained a good distance where he could get in whenever he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice competitive
3: match between the both of them. Uh, Hester was landing some great— yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about that spinning, spinning elbow.
1: elbow. It just
3: cracked. Yeah. Um vicious. I had uh I gave Whitaker the first round. Um I think he probably did a little bit more. He dropped Hester and uh had him against the cage for some grounded pound. Um but it struck me that like you said they were moving really well yeah. around. They looked bigger than 85. And uh you know I, it. I think in the post fight um
1: Someone it, dropped uh, down. Dan Didn't Hardy.
3: Well, Dan Hardy won. He, uh, sorry, Dan Hardy. <laughs> uh, Dan Hardy was interviewing Robert Whitaker. Robert uh, had. Uh, he was the tough smashes. He was the on that season. Yeah, he was the winner at 170. Right. But he's gone up because initially, for whatever reason, this is one of the rare moments, guys, that you would go on a reality show like Tough and cut weight. Normally, most people fight up. Above their uh, weight class, above their natural weight, you know, above their natural fight weight. But right. in this case, Hester, or, uh, sorry, Whitaker went down from eighty-five to seventy. But he here he fought at eighty-five. I think it was his return to to middleweight. It was, um, yeah,
1: his first fight back. Yeah,
3: and you know, because you, you can't, uh, you shouldn't be killing yourself like that, especially on on a reality show. So you know, um, I guess that was his shot, though. Perhaps a lot of guys, you know, when if they're in a weight class close to whatever is being you know showcased for that uh that season right and you want to get in the ufc sometimes you you make that run and you just go for it you do what you got to do
1: yeah i mean i agree there's a lot of ultimate fighters coming up in recent years but they they still are far and few in between so when they come up you got to jump at that chance sometimes (laughs) um it, it's a little nerve wracking though, jumping down a weight class and knowing that you might have to fight multiple times in that, you know, six week span. Yeah. It could be really, really hard on your body. So I'm glad that he was smart about it and went back up to middleweight as soon as he got back into the UFC. Um, that being said, I think it's his natural weight class because he did mm-hmm. amazing and it didn't at all look like he was outstrength or outsized in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Clint,
3: Clint, uh, could probably go up. He looked, like, he looked big for, for middleweight.
1: Yeah, he did look... Perhaps
3: good. then again, though, he might be, uh, if he fought at 205, he might be uh, a small
1: 205-er. He would definitely be a small 205-er. I mean, he's yeah. two. I think he's so one of those guys that's kind of just hangs the in the middle and uh, could go either way. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if we said this, Whittaker won via TKO. Um, next on the thing, we have 155, Ross the Real Dear Pearson versus Al... Is that Raging
3: Mm-hmm. Ragin
2: Iacquinta. I don't know Iacuinta. where that came from. Ross Pearson, another tough winner. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right.
1: I remember watching him on tough, because I just watched it not too long ago.
2: That was uh, Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisping, right? Right, wasn't he? Was yeah, it? I believe that's You're right.
1: right. W- which team was he on?
2: I want to Bis- say Bisping. No, UK Bis-Bang. versus, I think it was like season seven or so. Yeah, it was 2009. Okay. Because that was when they fought. It was July 11, 2009. UFC 100, where Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisbing. That's right. One of the greatest KOs of all time. <laughs> yes.
1: Go back and watch it, guys. Where can you watch it, guys? I don't know. Probably somewhere. Fight Pass. I'm sure it's on repeat
3: somewhere <laughs> on TV. UFC.com/slash/FightPass for 9.99, and I didn't really have That's any what good. Was uh, up for oh, okay. I see <laughs> what you run did there. Where so. can you watch
2: it? it? Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: <sighs> for 9.99, you guys can watch it on Fight Pass. Um, anyway,
2: somebody stole that gimmick from us.
3: No kidding. Yeah. Go back. Hey, Paul, we were doing that first. Just saying. All you,
1: right. You tell him, Jay. Uh, <laughs> Al won uh, round two via TKO. Uh,
2: a tough enough, final, tough enough uh, tough finalist. Tough enough. A tough finalist. Tough finalist yeah. versus a tough winner. Yep. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, So they said I like that Ross match. Pearson. I, I like this match, too. They said that Ross Pearson had been working with Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, Really kind of developing a similar style to Dominic Cruz that kind of like I said before about um, Whitaker the glider on the cage really good mm-hmm. footwork moving in and out
3: sticking sticking out stick stick and move stick and move
1: stick and move uh, exactly so, yeah. which is funny because Ross Pearson I think prior to that had kind of like a, a stand and, 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 and brawl kind of mentality mm-hmm. his, his style wasn't as fluid I did see the fluidity, fluidity more but I also saw it even more so in Al uh, his he moved so well around the cage, yeah. moving in and out and really picking his shots similar to Whitaker.
3: he absolutely was picking his shots. he was circling and mm-hmm. Ross was uh, whether by default or or intentionally you know claiming the uh, the middle of the cage um, they were definitely moving around a lot. I thought the movement between the both of them really was good mm-hmm. um you know some some fast strikes. I had a hard time uh, calling the first one um you know and the second one. By the same uh, same token, I'm not quite sure who was uh, who was leading in it. It was super close because the both of them. This is one of those matches where um, nobody was doing anything wrong. It was a good tactical match. Yeah, but I didn't. Um, i i couldn't couldn 't quite you know uh find a winner clear cut round uh, round for round and th- so therefore I kind of go i 'm not sure what i 'm watching. I think I had to watch the first round a couple of times right. to figure out w- w- how I judged it you know
1: it's it 's good when you get that feeling though jay because you know that you 're watching yeah. high level technical fighters you're not That's watching true. a brawl because if you were, you would know who was winning decisively mm-hmm. you I, I agree with you um the only thing. I that I saw um, definitively Al winning it was because he he was owning the cage he was mm. kind of it seemed like I had to watch it back a couple times as well but it seemed like he was making Ross trail him like if he wanted to close the distance the distance was closed if he wanted to circle Ross was circling with him so it really seemed like he was the one controlling mm. the cage movement. But Fair. besides yeah. that, it was super close and hard to tell for sure. Yeah, know? I agree. I mean, I
2: think somebody like Ali Quinte, who's definitely an up and coming guy, uh-huh. um, he's been around for a few years, but that guy just keeps getting better and better every single fight. Um, I think you should give him somebody who's ranked now. I think he's ready for, he
1: thinks so? he's on, on his way up. up yeah, up.
2: pretty much. I mean, he's not, I mean, if you look at the top or the, the 13, 14, 15, Rustam Kabulov, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, Barbosa, Edson Barbosa is number 12. I mean, I think you should give him one of those guys. Definitely. I think he's definitely ready for to test himself against the uh, the top of the top, the creme of the creme of the UFC. Creme de
1: la creme. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. The UFC lightweight division.
1: I agree with you. I hope we can see that happen in the near future. You agree
2: with me? I do. Never it's rare. It's very, saying, very rare. never have women agree with me to begin with. Oh, so. women in general. Don't know. agree with you. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Well, at 185 pounds, we have the title fight, Luke Rockhold versus Michael the Not Count. I don't know if it was a title fight. <laughs> uh, the main event. <laughs> uh, Michael the Count Bisping. Talk, about, excuse talk me. about
2: two people that don't agree with each other. <laughs> These two guys.
1: Seriously. Oh, uh, Michael
2: Bisping, another tough enough, tough enough, the ultimate fighter.
1: We're plugging you, tough enough. Winner.
2: Ultimate fighter winner, mm-hmm. Michael Bisping. Yep. Season tough. three.
1: He's just tough. I was going to say uh,
2: ultimate fighter. You should say that. And yep. multiple time coach on, uh, on yeah. the show as well.
1: Yep.
3: Yeah, Mike is uh, by far, definitely a uh, you know a veteran of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, this history, this match though, Rockhold and Bisping goes back quite a ways. There was a really interesting uh, bit of backstory to it um, years ago. I, w- I wish I could remember exactly the date, but uh, Luke Rockhold, um, I believe, Michael Bisping traveled to AKA and uh worked out with uh, did some sparring with rockhold and, and those guys I believe for an upcoming uh strike force defense uh rockhold at the time was a champion in strike force and uh was def- was defending the title and uh, the the legend goes that uh, Bisping went in there and pretty had a pretty easy time against Rockhold, and then later on in an interview talked about it um which is uh, apparently just one of those gym unwritten gym roles where you just what stays in the gym what happens in the gym stays in the gym and you just don't divulge stuff like that in interviews which is understandable we kind of heard
2: that earlier this year with not missing well last year earlier this year with the uh, daniel cormier and uh patrick cummins yeah, that's another
3: that's one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Again, so you've got the
3: storyline, you know, about breaking the uh, the golden rule among fighters. It's, Silence is golden.
1: It's definitely a golden rule. I mean, it's just like yeah. we were kind of uh talking about this last week how boxers bring in specific sparring partners. Right. Sometimes even pay them if they're high level enough. Um right. guys like Floyd Mayweather, they don't just spar with teammates, and, you know.
3: And they don't talk or socialize, they just go in, spar and And that's off. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that that kind of relates to that. It's like Yeah. Um, going in there and sparring with somebody, especially when you guys are both in the UFC and both you know ranked. Well,
3: at the time, Rockhold wasn't. He was in, he was defending his title. Okay. force. right,
1: but st- but, but still, when you are high level guys like that, sure. and you know yeah. that you yeah. know, oh, I could be fighting the guy at that gym or that gym, and he's going back yeah. and telling people how I spar. It's just like you hey, just keep it, to, yeah. you know.
3: Well, you know that was that happened in an interview, Bisping, you know, divulged that little joke, and by, by all rights, I, I'm not sure if I, if I actually saw the footage or not, but. You know, this is one of the things with with Michael Bisping. He kind of, in, in, in full fairness, he apparently said it kind of as an offhanded joke and just kind of, you know, wink, wink to the camera. Um, that's a lot. Of, you know, the Brits are known for their very dry wit, you know. And yeah. you either get it <laughs> and you go on with it or you don't, at which point that person becomes your sworn enemy. And it obviously rubbed uh, Luke the wrong way. This built up to a couple of uh, built up to quite a bit of uh, um, several years uh, later i guess of you know animosity between the two of them and finally it 's come to loggerheads, the both of them being in the u f c and in the within the top ten you know there was the right time for this match and so they built a, a nice little storyline and feud off of this, and then uh, there was a story about Rockhold. When Bisping fought Kung Lee in Macau not too long ago, Mm -hmm. uh, Rockhold stepped to Bisping, and I believe his dad as well, at a coffee shop in the hotel lobby. I don't know And Yeah, and proposed uh, this—proposed, I think—the match was in talks. It it hadn't been uh, secured yet, but Rockhold offered to put up his fight purse and win purse against Bisping— if uh with the, the criteria being that Rockhold would the bet being Rockhold would finish Bisping in the first round. So even if Rockhold uh, won in the second or third, Bisping would get the whole uh the holy kitten caboodle there.
1: Well I'm glad that they didn't go for that. Yeah, it apparently would have lost you know, his purse.
3: Bisping did not go for it. Yeah, that's the thing. He would have lost his purse but still, you know, won the match. Right. You know, um this was a really exciting one as well. Um I think it started out with the both of them really uh, throwing. Again, kind of like Pearson and, I, and I, Quinta, they weren't brawling constantly. It wasn't your Griffin Bonner, but uh, both guys were very uh, calculated, uh, deliberate with their punches, uh, with all of their strikes, actually. They're mixing up quite a bit, um, and I, I thought it was a great technical fight. I gave this being the first round, uh, and then early in the second round—let's uh, see here— um, Rockhold landed a, a straight left, drops Bisping, uh, and and Rockhold just jumps on the opportunity on the ground. Sees uh, sees a shot for a guillotine, gets it, and rolls to top position even, and, and chokes out Bisping. With, a, with one uh, hand. Yeah, oh, one, with, arm. With one, one arm. arm yeah. One-armed guillotine from top position, which is not easy to keep by any means.
1: Definitely not. Especially not against a guy like Michael Bisping. Um I gave round one to Rockhold. Did you? Ironically. I didn't think it was uh, super decisive. I but gave it to Rockhold. I gave it to Rockhold. Really? Um, I felt that Rockhold, the entire fight, owned the center of the cage. He was so... If it, I don't know if it had to do with his mentality and his demeanor that mm-hmm. made me give him the round. Mm-hmm. But he seemed... Way more confident, a bit and, more cage control. Yes, and uh, just just more confident in the cage yeah. as well than Bisping. See, He's... that's the
3: thing. I I used to believe a lot more in cage control in terms of owning the center of the ring, but now I n- not as much. I realize that it is. Um, unfortunately, you you have to you have to focus on the strikes. Who's who's striking? Who, who's significant strikes are, are landing cleaner or right. strikes in general? You know, and who is amassing more of them? To that end, cumulatively at the end of the round, who did more damage? You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's a mess. it's a, it's a um, a combination, an equation of how many strikes did the guy land, and how many big ones did he land? You know, how effective, effective were strikes, they? Right. Yeah, comparative to the other guy. And well, uh, I
1: thought that I thought that Rockhold had some good kicks in the first round.
3: Yeah, yeah, um,
1: and that's probably another reason why I gave it to him, mm-hmm. but. BizBing was
2: busier for
1: me. BizBing was busier. I thought, I thought yeah, Rockwood so. was a
2: lot more comfortable though. I don't know why there okay. was just a level of comfort So in much and I'm, calmer. Bisbing, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I've been watching this guy fight since he first got into the UFC and he just, there was something different about him. Um, maybe it's wear and tear of the cage because he's been there for a long time. He fights and he's not even one of the, he's fight, one of those fighters that fights a lot. Mm-hmm. Frequently. He yeah. He fights definitely. a lot. Um, but I don't know. There was just something about him that it just didn't seem comfortable. Comfortable to me. It just maybe he was moving around too much. He was trying to stick and move. Maybe too focusing too much on the footwork. Right. Too focusing on the boxing. I, I think. I think.
1: I would have to go back and look at his previous fights to to compare them properly. But um, I did notice that he was significantly uncomfortable. Like Rockhold just fight. had
2: was just more calm. He just was just kind of picking his shots, waiting there, Bisping Just kind of yeah. looked a little too. You know, out there, there. You know,
3: that can be a psychological thing. I think of yeah. you know in the, in the judging yeah, criteria. I mean, that, that might be their style. You know, but yeah, there's you know, style. There's you know, one part of the whole kit and kaboodle, the whole pie is is style. You know, how does the guy fight? You see this with Machida. He's a guy that likes to play the outside of the cage and stick and move. You know, and, and pick and choose his uh, his strikes. And some judges will be able to see whether he's winning or not if he's winning the striking battle you know uh, other people will say he's playing the outside therefore he's on the defense and he's constantly running he's on his bicycle and i don't so, sometimes you know it's a subjective thing i don't necessarily think that You can only decide based on how the guy is circling around the cage. You've also got to look at how the guy is striking, if it's effective or not, and how is the other guy doing in comparison to that?
1: What's his reaction to Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
3: And I get it that psychologically, if somebody is calm and owning the center of the cage and the other guy circling around can't get a foot on the guy, I understand how that can look like. He's uh, the guy in the center is winning the match, right? And sometimes that may be the case. You know, wasn't for me in this case.
1: Speaking on Lyoto Machida versus like Weidman, for example, that mm-hmm. fight, like I felt like Lyoto Machida was running. I felt like he, yeah, he might have been trying to feel out the fight and and to play, you know, the outside of the cage. But to me, it looked, it didn't look, it looked offensive. It didn't look mm-hmm. offensive, and that's where I would deduct points from Machida and give them to Weidman yeah. in that scenario. Uh, similar to Raquel Bisping, I didn't think that Rockhold was being you know I don't think he was running or playing the defense I think he was being calculative and right, really thinking about his shots and he was uh, but this
3: being as well landing. yes he being was on the yeah. outside um, I th- he was the busier one um, I think he, uh, um, you know, he but
1: it seemed like he was busy in a d- defensive way almost he was counter striking which well, you're not allowed to, take to. Away from, exactly, you're, absolutely. <laughs> talk
3: to Chuck Liddell about that <laughs>
1: absolutely that's a great example um it's funny because we talk to Big John McCarthy every time we see him about the judging criteria sure, and yeah. how it's you know it's not black and white yet. It's not. There's so many gray areas and there's so many opinions yeah. in our judging system still. And that's something that I think about. I'm like, okay, so what if you have one of those guys that just keeps a stone cold killer face no matter how hard he gets hit? Mm-hmm. Where you know where do you go with that?
3: Again, it's a subjective oh. thing and that can affect. A judge's criteria. Absolutely These are human beings making the best educated determination and conclusion that they can. Absolutely. You know, it's not, unfortunately, it's not a, a computerized. Uh, thing, maybe it should be, and eventually, down the road, you know possibly we 'll get into that you know huge algorithms and but, stuff, it, but uh, it 's always going to be argued you know fans are always going right. to be talking about if their guy didn 't win they 're going to be arguing for why their guy should have won and right we 're going to have a conversation about that in depth on the next uh, the next card, of course, but you know it's unfortunately there 's so many different things that play into it. this is a subjective thing it 's what the judge sees. Unfortunately, it's what his past experience is, be it as a fighter or as a judge having judged other matches mm-hmm. um, but it is also the idea in a perfect world is to abide by this criteria detailed in the unified rules the right. criteria of judging right damage is a uh, is a big part of it I think in order it goes like damage. Um, effective striking and grappling on even even levels right you know and then uh cage control and i know there's a couple well, other guess criteria <laughs> as well but
1: a way, a way go ahead.
3: no it's uh unfortunately unfortunately no one you, you can't please all the people all the time
1: absolutely and it's like we've said a million times ju- the judging and the reffing it's the hardest jobs in mma i mean come on yeah second to fighting yeah um it, there's so much to take into account, especially uh, being their cage side. We're not their cage side. So, of course, mm-hmm. there's other factors that go into play. Um, but I don't know. It's just – I don't think it's ever going to get to a point, like you said, where it's algorithms and all this crazy stuff that Probably makes take it a lot of
3: fun out of it religious. if it was. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but we do have guys like, for example, um, Diego Sanchez. He mm-hmm. – when he gets hit, he could get hit by the you know by the most powerful striker. He stands there. Mm -hmm. And he rocks back. Yeah. So a guy like him, yes, there's significant strikes landing on him, but he's taking them and he's not making them look like they're You know, maybe as significant as they are, Mm -hmm. so that could play out like that. And you know, it's one him fights his attitudes. Definitely one him fights. That's why
3: so many rounds and matches involving him, Uh the scores are so damn close. Right, right. You know, and and you could people end up saying, "Well, it could go either way." Right. Yeah, it could go either way for you because you're the fan. (laughs) You don't got the money involved in it. You know, Um, but again, you could watch the same match two, three, four times, mm-hmm. and come
2: up with di- different conclusions. Like we did. Like we did Which in that we match that we're going to talk about soon. eventually. But, uh, yeah. I, I do got to give props to Luke Rockhold, though, because I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Anytime you can do something that nobody's ever done before, mm-hmm. that's impressive. Yeah. So uh, to be able to submit Michael Bisping, mm-hmm. who's in all his fights has never been submitted before. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. That's an so, achievement. So down. Luke Rockhold here's a guy who was the Strikeforce champion when they close down. So he didn't. He never lost the belt. He only lost once in the last like few years, and I think that was yeah. against uh, Vitor Belfort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, what do you guys think? What do you, who's next? I mean, a lot of he was talking about putting uh, fighting Jacare. I don't think so because he already beat Jacare.
1: Yeah, I, I he,
2: he beat Jacare back in Strikeforce. So I mean, do you give him a title? Do You give him the winner of Weidman. Vitor, I mean, I know he wants Vitor again, but uh, Machida's already fighting Stevie Dalloway. I, get I mean, Jacare so is without a fight, but... I get so confused with the scheduled jump around.
3: Uh, Weidman-Belfort is now... January? January? No, end of
1: February.
3: No. Isn't it in LA?
1: February 28th oh, yeah. in LA.
3: Okay. Yes. So, we've got cancel. one, two, three, four, we've got about four months uh, the UFC doesn't have anything set up for... Well, no, they So did. if you Actually, waited
1: until after that, you'd have to give wide at least... Or the winner, I should say. July. At least four months break, three months break to get ready for another fight.
3: Yeah, give him a, a month's break and then uh, two months, tra- two right. to three so training. If, I mean, yeah. the only say, thing
2: like, that months. does make sense is maybe Jacare, maybe Yoel Romero, maybe. Oh,
3: that's interesting.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: I don't want to see him against Jacare. I think it's um I just think it's going backwards. um I mean, I mean at the same time it. though
2: Jacare, I'm sure he would love a rematch against mm-hmm. uh Luke Absolutely. Rockhold who's only gotten better since he Spe- lost against Luke rockhold Spe-
1: yes, yes speaking as I should say speaking as uh Rockhold's publicist or or manager. <laughs> I would not like to see that but as a fan, I would you know it would be a good fight I guess it keeps but him
2: busy you could possibly fit it
1: maybe you' Romero
2: that I think that makes most sense
1: i I agree. I would rather. see don't think. I don't think. I don't, think, I don't think they have
2: matched up U.O. Romero with anyone yet. Then what do you do with Jacare? He sits out for a little bit now. I mean, it depends on what what he wants to do. I mean, maybe he gets- When's the next big middleweight fight? Maybe have him the winner against that. It just depends. Well, the next one is the title match.
1: Right. So no, in- but I, I mean, mean, you can. I mean, when is
2: when is Machida against C.B. Dalloway? Oh, that's at the end point.
3: of, uh, you know what, it's the uh, 21st, I believe, of December.
2: But does Jacare and Machita, they don't train with each other, do they? Or, are they homies? No, I don't believe so. No. Then there you go. The winner of CB Dalloway, Leon Machita should face Jacare, number one contendership. And Rockholds...
1: A- Your- You'll I don't know. know. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
2: that, that, that's good, though. This is why it's fun to play this game. Anytime you're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do with these top contenders, that just shows how good of a division it is. It mm-hmm. is a great you division. It, it's stacked. It's a lot better than it was years ago when there was one guy than everyone else it's true. under him. So it's pretty good. And it's pretty uh, good things to come into that middleweight division. I want to uh, see
1: Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold.
2: Oh yeah. oh yeah and
1: it's not <laughs> just cause they're both kids. America <laughs> but that may have something to do with it
2: what about what about Michael you gonna Bis- buy that that poster <laughs> you get that one sheet <laughs> on the
1: wall
2: <laughs> what about that Michael Bisbing wall. I mean yeah. there's a guy okay. who
1: is him? always on the Bisping, cusp
3: Rockhold and Weidman uh, F. Mary Kill what do you
1: do Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do it. We're not playing that game? (laughs) I I know what I would say, but I can't do that. (laughs) Guys, you can find out on our after-after show, after-hours show.
2: Ooh, I like that voice you did. But Michael Bisbing, (laughs) uh, like I said, here's the guy who's always like, oh, I want a title shot, oh, this and that, you know, but you you give him. Anybody who's a top contender and he loses, Give I'm kind of, I'm kind of, no. no, I'm kind of starting to feel sorry <laughs> you know. for the guy. You know, I mean, he, yeah, here's a guy yeah. who he he think he went fourteen and zero, and he put him against Rashad Evans, he lost. You know, he he wins a few, put him against Dan Henderson, he gets knocked out in brutal fashion. You know, yeah. wins a few, loses against Vanderlei.
1: MMA has those guys. Yeah. Dana White talks about it all the time. Wins There's...
2: a few, loses against Chael. Wins, loses against Vitor. Wins, what is, loses against contend what does Dana Tim Kennedy? say
1: that about? Oh, I forget. I can't uh, remember right Michael now.
2: Bis- Michael Bisping?
1: No, was but he also, says it about something else.
3: Kenny Florian also had a tough run, you know, several title Maybe. shots. And Dana used to say that Kenny would choke on the big one. Yes, and, Kenny is you know, one just, of them. I think it was a, certainly a, not the smoothest or uh, most polite way of phrasing <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, that and, you know, Joe B as well, Joe Benavidez. Uh-huh. Um, or, I'm sorry, not Joe B. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Chad Mendes, you know, another guy who's just top – pound-for-pound guy well, that we has just saw him perform, yet.
2: though. Yeah, right. exactly.
3: And that's my point. Uriah yeah. right Faber is like that, too. A, a top guy, yeah, that has, good point, yeah, has never won uh, UFC gold yet. Right. You know, And the longer we go, uh, bigger a question whether it'll actually happen or not. So We
1: will see. But yeah. let's start, let's get to, over to the Brazil card. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was supposed to be Shogun versus Jimmy Manoa. Uh, Jimmy Manoa pulled out two weeks out. And Ovin Saint Prue took over.
3: I believe OSP was already scheduled for this uh this match
1: the yes. show, correct? He was already on the show. Got they it. just bumped him up and gave him mm-hmm. that title shot.
3: Yeah. Um big step up to tackle you know, when you're yes. when you're an up and coming guy and you get a last minute notice to replace to face somebody at the level of and then legacy, I think more so, of of Mauricio Shogun Hua. Um that's yeah, that's kind of a, a checkup from the neck up. You know, how much do you really want this thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny though. It's funny you say that because Shogun is ranked number nine and OSP is ranked number ten. So in rankings, mm-hmm. it doesn't say that much. But yeah. you're right; it's a, definitely a veteran versus This um, looked an it kind of
3: ended up being a, a changing of the guard match, which I think a lot of people uh, previously, you know, uh, Shogun versus uh, Jimmy Manua... Um, I think some people saw that as a, as a bit of a squash match, frankly. Right. And uh, to, to help build up Shogun, get him a good win. Um, and then you've got OSP jumping in there. And frankly, I mean, Jimmy Manoa, that could have been – it would have been a big upset changing of the guard match as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with OSP, um, it, that's clearly what it became. You right. know, in, in In retrospect when you look at okay. that match. I'm
1: going to run down rope. We only have about 10 minutes left, unfortunately, but I'm going to oh, start no. from the bottom and uh, give you guys some results. So in the strawweight women's division, which uh, Jay and I both thought the same thing. I thought this was, was the first strawweight women's fight that I'd seen in the UFC, but there was one prior a couple was months it? ago. Yeah, um, but Juliana Lima versus Nina and Saraf? And Saraf, yep. And Saraf.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Juliana Lima won the unanimous un- un- unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. Um, really good wrestling and really good jiu-jitsu by both girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're both super aggressive. Um, if you guys didn't see this fight, definitely go check it out. Because the strawweight division, strawweight women's division, is definitely uh, going to be on a hot, hot run come the, <laughs> come December. December 12th. So yeah. it's definitely something to look into to see these girls. Um, then we had Claudio Hannibal Silva versus... Leone, Rocky, Edwards. Yep. Uh, Silva won via decision.
3: Split decision Split there. Split decision. I had that. Uh, I i felt a little bit torn on that one. I had it. Uh, it was. The scores were 29 28, 29 28, and 28 29. I had Edwards taking the first two rounds. Okay. Uh, I thought he was uh, busier, better striking. Um, but they. Yeah, uh,
1: Silva was. He was going for a lot of takedowns, but he was shooting from so far out, it right. seemed. Yeah. Um, I think after that one scramble that they got into in the beginning, I think he lost some of his gas tank, mm-hmm. and it, it caused the rest of his shots for the rest of the fight to be very sloppy. Because yeah. he he would kind of like dive in for these uh, ankle shots, and mm-hmm. he would land on his shoulder, and then he would get back up, and it was kind of yeah. looked messy, very unorthodox. But hey, it worked for him. So yeah, uh, kudos to Silva. But Leon Edwards nonetheless looked very good as well. Yeah. Um Then we had Worley Slingshot Alves versus Allen. Brahma Joban. Uh, we had Alan on the show a couple mm-hmm. months ago, if you guys were watching us then. Uh, he is an awesome guy. He was a male model, a very successful male model, mm-hmm. uh, turned UFC fighter. And this was his second fight in the UFC.
3: Yeah. This was the big controversial match. Yes. Uh, that we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, Wor- Worley Elves, uh, won Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3 at 185. Uh, he was undefeated 8 and 0. Going into this match now nine and zero, he won by unanimous decision twenty nine twenty eight across mm-hmm. the board. and a lot of people, even the Brazilians themselves, were uh, were booing the decision. Uh, really interesting match to study, and you know, uh, of course, us being if us being in Southern California where Alan is uh, lives and, and resides. I know my Facebook feed was blowing up like crazy.
1: Mine was going nuts. With mine was not
3: a robbery, <laughs> a robbery of uh, a robbery of the uh, of Allen uh, via the judges, feeling that Allen won rounds uh, two and three. Uh, Claudio, or I'm sorry, War, Warley Alves winning rounds. Let me one. just say
1: this, uh, me and Jay had a funny situation. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh my god, Alan Jabon should have won, that's bullshit, but I was bartending while watching it, so I didn't really see the whole thing.
3: Um, <laughs> bartending, but, but not bar drinking, right? No, not bar drinking. <laughs> just
1: bartending. And, um, and the first time Jay watched it, he thought it was a fair decision that, uh, the right person won.
3: Well, um, I, I, I scored it 29... Yeah, I scored it 29-28 for uh, for Alves. I thought Alves did just barely enough to get that... You thought uh, it was close, but you still had it for Alves. To get the second round, yeah.
1: Right. Now, the second time we're watching it together, we both kind of saw each other's uh, opinions more. The other side, yeah. Yeah, I really saw that, um, you know, Alves did win it. Um, Still not definitively. It could have been a split decision in my mind, but... um, he definitely won it, and then you saw a little bit more for Joe Bond the second time around. Yeah.
3: So here's the thing: as yes. as we've talked about in the past, twenty nine, twenty eight means that two judges. Uh, I'm sorry, no, all three judges gave one person two rounds, and the other guy won one round. So in this case, it was very close, um, very uh, straightforward. Rounds one and three. Rounds one. Everyone seems to give uh, give it to Worley Alves, and that's fair enough. He almost finished Allen early in that round. Yes. It was easily the toughest challenge. Was somehow Allen was able to get out of it, uh, survive it, the knockdown and uh, the guillotine choke.
1: And still didn't look gassed and still maintained his Came uh, stand Came back
3: and held his own. Definitely. Now, round three, that was all Joe Uh By that point, Alves didn't really have anything and was not pushing the pace nearly no. as much as as he had previously in the round one, nor... That uh, Compared to uh, Joban in round three. Um, so it comes down to round two. Where? Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but Alves got a takedown off of a kick. Joban threw a kick. Elvis yes. got the takedown and was on top of him for close to half the round. I'd say just about two minutes, two minutes, 30. But Joban was able to lock on uh, mission control, which is a kind of uh, control from bottom. Uh, using your foot, wrapping your foot around the guy's back. And and holding it there, your leg, yeah, 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 and and throwing punches and elbows, and was busier. Is that the? Uh, I'm not getting the music yet, right? No, no, five, no. Okay. We have five minutes. All right, um, three hundred um, seconds left. So you know, from the drug, from. <laughs> um. Jovan was busier, landed more strikes from bottom, but Jovan was on bottom and Worley Elvis was on top. Now, to an uneducated judge or somebody that's not familiar with 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, um, right. they could possibly or, – or maybe Jiu-Jitsu in general. I'm not versed as well in the politics of Jiu-Jitsu, but um, – There's a debate whether the guy in control is the guy on top or the guy on bottom who is being more effective and controlling the guys on top. Yeah. And that's what I think it came down to. I have always
1: been a strong supporter of wherever you're do, whoever is doing the most damage is in control. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're in guard, half guard, mount, whatever it is. Yeah. When you're doing the most damage, you're in control. Mm -hmm. uh, Bottom line. But
3: guard, half guard, mount is all top position. We right. got to talk about the guy in the bottom. That's the thing, and that's what I think. Right,
1: but uh, like, say, say, say you're in uh, side control, mm-hmm. or, or even say you're in half guard. and You're on the bottom, okay? But you're landing nice elbows from the bottom, and the yeah. guy on the top's just holding on to you. Yeah. Please don't elbow me again. Please don't elbow me again. The guy on the bottom's winning. Yeah. He might be on the bottom, but he's still doing more damage to your face and he's hurting you.
3: And that's what kind of spun my opinion around in the the second time I viewed it. I saw more, uh, I saw Alan winning from bottom. Right. um, And then after that, once they got on their feet again, by that point, Alves, Alves didn't really have anything for the rest of the match. I would argue easily, or I'd agree with anybody that says that Alan won at least the second half of the entire match. Right. All right. Allen was definitely in control and pushing the action more. Alves was done. Um there were some issues with a, a questionable groin strike and a couple of couple potential eye pokes. Eye
1: pokes. There was a bunch of nonsense, to me,
3: I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not even gonna put that into the criteria of judging. You, as far as I know, you can't. That, those things, those fouls, unless the referee decides to dock a point from the, from the fighter, yeah. that's not a criteria for someone to win To win, I don't uh, think anyone counted
1: against either opponent. Right, but right. Bottom line, uh, guys, go look up Mission Control if you don't know what it is, because it's really interesting. Uh, I am gonna compare it right now. I might get some hate for this, but I'm gonna compare it to being in a triangle without being choked. You can be in a triangle, but you know it's not tight enough, so you're mm-hmm. not being choked, but you're still in a triangle, or maybe a guillotine, or or yeah, exactly. Okay. So. They have you in a hold. Right. It's, you're dominant. They are being so dominant over you. They could punch you while you're there. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Mission Control guys. He has his leg around the back of his neck so that his head is crushed up onto Alan Joban's uh, torso area. And he's beating him in the head. And he landed some nice elbows from there. Yeah, He's winning. But I do see what the judges were seeing because as soon as they got up... Um, you saw the damage to Alan Jabon's eye that had happened yeah. prior to the takedown. I
2: agree with Daria. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably what it was, was damage. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that he was kind of on top and control for the first half minute. Then for the last half, or first half round, for the last half of round, it's kind of like, well, they're just kind of going back and forth with Javon kind of getting more strikes. Yeah, It, it could have gone either way. I mean, honestly, I, as much as I hate saying it, I did, have, I did give the fight to out to early Alvis yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And one more thing, right before we go up to the to the main card, uh, main event, um, Alan Joban w- uh, showed great damage to um, what's his face, Alvis, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, I had a point. Then yeah, he wasn't
2: it. able to finish. Alves was looking the worst for wear. Yes. You know, we talked to a, there couple, was a couple of weeks. times
1: where he could have finished him.
2: Yeah. 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 That was a lot of openings.
3: There a were a lot you, of openings. The second half, Al, uh, Alan Joban would uh, would push the pace on Alves and had him on queer street, had him wobbling, you right. know, ready to get knocked out. And, and he wasn't able to whether it was because he couldn't catch up with him, couldn't land the right strike and hit the button on the chin, whatever. Uh, right. Alan did, was not able to, to secure a finish on Alves, and I think he probably could have otherwise.
1: I agree. Jay, real quick, we're going to get wrapped <laughs> up here. Uh, Shogun Rua lost an upset, guys, to OSP. Last-minute fill-in, but he definitely was not last in line. A uh, beautiful left hand by uh-huh. OSP. Shogun mm-hmm. fell, and he finished it with some punches on the ground.
3: It's a good thing that match was so fast Thank because <laughs> we needed to talk about this. <laughs>
1: exactly. Alan Jorban, great fight. We hope to see you on AfterBuzz again soon. Guys, give your shout-outs.
3: Uh, Jtan, 716, all over your usual instant, uh, what's that called? Social media. Social media, thank you. Mom, bring me something very uh, expensive and rare. You know what I'm talking about. Thank you. You got it.
2: <laughs> Obi, oh, that Fight Club joke was hilarious earlier today. Um, you can find me <laughs> at G Hermosa on Twitter and at Instagram and on Twitter and on Instagram at G Hermosa, Ghermoza, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A.
1: You heard it, guys. Uh, you can find me at Daria B twenty eight and my new Facebook page. Go and like it, Daria the Jersey Devil Baronado, guys. I'll be fighting soon, and I'll definitely be fighting for the U of MMA soon. Jay, oh, I'm yeah. excited. You have your colors on today.
3: Uh, <laughs> February. Anyway. Look for announcement on the U of MMA February 2015. Woo. Uh, of dot at Club Nokia.
1: See you guys later.